Hello folks, welcome to episode 7 of the Red Road to Enlightenment, hosted by Samuel Anglin. It's uh, June 7th today, imagine that, 7-7. <laughs> Some people like uh, numbers quite a bit. So I'd just like to welcome everybody to this podcast today, I'm sitting on the beach uh, recording this. Uh, it's quite a powerful weekend again. Um, we got protests here in Huntington Beach, Black Lives Matter. Uh, I'll just recap a little bit of that last weekend. Uh, I was kind of a little embarrassed about um, what's all going on with the state of the country and um, what's going on with Black Lives Matter up here. Yesterday I was a little embarrassed because I stooped down to uh, some people's level. Um, you know, one person ran up on me because I was wearing my uh, Make America Native Again shirt and told me that, um, now what'd you think of that? You know, we built we the Trail of Tears, we really got you on that one, huh? We sure did massacre you. And I was got kind of mad, so I fired back and said, hey, now we build casinos and take all your money. Um, so I was just a little embarrassed how I acted. I was getting a little heated. I didn't really like the way it was going. So luckily I had a good roommate that pulled me back and redirected me. And um, so it was really good. A really, really, um, really powerful moment. Um, today and yesterday, they're back up there. Yesterday was real peaceful. Um, I was pretty impressed by the, the police and how they were handling themselves, handling some of the people that were trying to cause program, cause, cause problems. Um, so enough of that, and uh, let's get on to this program. So today we're going to talk about my uh, fourth and fifth step I've been working on with my sponsor. I'm getting really deep. You know, the four steps about resentments, you know, people, places, institutions, you know, the fear-based um, what kind of fear it caused and what was uh, the cause and effect of it uh, on me. Um, so I really had to dig deep. You know, I, I felt good letting go of all those resentments. Um, they are no longer mine. I turned them over to my sponsor, so there's his. Um, we're going to do a ceremony and to release those. Um, it's been a big uh, weight lifted off my shoulders. Um, I, can't, uh, I can't express how much it's... Um, what it means to me to get that stuff off my shoulders. So today we're going to do, uh, do a little uh, reading out of the Elders Meditation, um, a little bit out of the uh, Red Road to Albriety. Bill sees it. I got myself a new book called 365 Days of Walking the Red Road, the Native American Path to Leading a Spiritual Life Every Day. So these are good readings. We're going to talk about, I got some prayers. I got, um, I got, uh, listed out that I'm going to read to you guys. Um, I'm going to read you um, where some of my shame comes from uh, that my uh, sponsor showed me, um, what, what I'm working on next, which is step six. Um, and I'm, I'm taking a trip home, so we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about, uh, you know, just just whatever comes, comes to my mind. So I appreciate this, guys. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started. And we're going to read uh, the 365 Days of Walking the Red Road. So this book is pretty cool. It's all laid out in dates. Um, but today's date is June 7th. So we'll go ahead and read this. Uh, um, Indian names were either characteristic nicknames given in a playful spirit, deed names, birth names, or such as have a religious and symbolic meaning. A man of forcible character with a fine war record usually bears the name of the buffalo or bear, lightning, or some dread natural force. Another of more peaceful nature may be called Swift Bird or Blue Sky. You know, this is by um, Charles Eastman. 
He's Santa Sue, 1858 to 1939. And uh, they either dedicate some of these readings. So this is in remembrance of Chief Seattle, who crossed over on June 7th, 1866. Um, now I currently do not have a Native American name, and uh, hopefully I'll be gifted with one someday soon. Uh, this darn helicopter flying over is getting pretty annoying. Um, sorry guys if it's uh, really drowning me out. I hope it isn't. Um, this guy seems to just be hovering over the beach. Uh, so we'll go ahead and get into the next reading. The next reading is going to be the Elder Meditation of the Day. Uh, very powerful reading too. Um, so it's uh, June 7th. If there is a shadow of a doubt someplace that will cause a weakness. Wallace Black Elk, Lakota. In the spiritual world, there is spiritual law. The law says like, like attracts like. This means whatever mental picture we hold inside our mind, we will attract from the universe. To make this law work, we must retain a constant picture. If we picture our vision something, or vision something, and along with this picture we have doubting thoughts, our vision will not happen, and we will get exactly what we picture, what we picture or vision. The law always works. A doubting vision will not materialize what we want. A vision without doubt will always happen. This is spiritual law. My maker, today, let my vision become strong. Um, another powerful reading that really means a lot to me. Um, all these elder, elder meditations are good. This is off the White Bison um, daily email. Um, you know, it's uh, very powerful, very powerful readings. And I take big pride in reading these and learning, learning from them. Another good reading is off of, uh, as Bill sees it, it's the AA way of life. Um, so it's today's page number 16. It's called Never Again. Most people feel more secure on the 24-hour basis than they do in the resolution that will that they will never drink again. Most of them have broken too many resolutions. It's really a matter of personal choice. Every AA has the privilege of interpreting the program as he likes. Personally, I, I take the attitude and I intend never to drink again. This is somewhat different from saying I will never drink again. The later attitude sometimes gets people in trouble because it is undertaking on a personal basis to do what we alcoholics, alcoholics could never do. It is too much an act of will and leaves too little for room for the idea that God will release us from the drink obsession, provided we follow the A program. Oh man, pretty powerful stuff, pretty powerful stuff. So um, take a minute and we'll reflect on that, you know, let, those, let those readings absorb. You know, never to never to drink again. It's pretty powerful statement. It's kind of hard, you know. And um, when it says that, uh, you know, I will never drink again. The latter attitude sometimes get people in trouble. Um, I like to take the attitude that I I intend never to drink again. That's a little more possibility and hopeful. Um, not so definite. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna delve into the meaning of prayer and really really say that stuff in the prayer and you know, why we pray why we pray is to seek guidance and help you know the suffering the alcoholic that's still out there um, we never pray for ourselves we only pray for the guidance um, you know too many years i spent praying for it to get me out of this this issue or that issue and now it's to pray for my family my family my friends uh people in recovery and to have the creator guide me in the right direction and to be there for me and to really open up to him and be honest and to admit that I am powerless over drugs and alcohol and my life became unmanageable. So we're going to go ahead and, you know, really, you know, to say these prayers too, you should be saying them in the mirror to yourself because that's the person who needs to see them. Um, 
you are the person that needs to hear these. No one else needs to hear these. So there's a prayer from the Red Road to Albrighty book. It's a prayer to the Great Spirit. O Great Spirit, whose voice I hear in the winds, and whose breath gives life to all the world, hear me. I am small and weak. I need your strength and wisdom. Let me walk in beauty and make my eyes ever behold the red and purple sunset. Make my hands respect the things you have made and my ears sharp to hear your voice. Make me wise so that I may understand the things you have taught my people. Let me hear the lessons you have hidden in every leaf and rock. I need strength not to be greater than my brother, but to fight my greatest enemy, myself. Make me always ready to come to you with clean hands and straight eyes. So when life fades as the fading sunset, my spirit may come to you without shame. Ahoy. You know, and um, I just got done with step four. So I'm going to read you step four and five out of the Red Road to Albrighty. Step four is titled Courage. So we stopped and thought about our strengths and our weaknesses and thought about ourselves. Step four is about looking at me. Self-examination has always been part of Native culture. Our culture... Our culture definition of success is centered on building character, but how can we build character until we know the defects, shortcomings, or weakness of the characters we have? When we know the problem is within us, then we can set out on a quest to learn how to live under the Creator's guidance. But the guidance must be accepted first in order to find the root of the problem. Real self-examination takes a warrior's courage. If you look in the dictionary, you will see that to have courage is to have heart. Step four is about beginning to find your heart. So creator, protect me from my worst enemy, myself. I ask that you guide me in the bad lands of self that I may know you better. Please protect my spirit as I relive the past in order to recover. Great spirit, guide me as I face the self-examination of the self. Our people traditionally have had many ways to look at ourselves with the help of the great spirit. Today we have the solitude of the vision quest, which goes by many different names in, our, in different traditions. We have sobriety sweat lodges where step four prayer and reflection can be done we can go by ourselves often on the land so that we can see ourselves more clearly in the spirit of step four some of us spend a night in the teepee with our brothers and sisters and with the medicine of the native american church sometimes a national self-examination in the spirit of step four happens there we can participate in sobriety powwows to find indirect culture support from step four journey Nowadays, we have many methods of step four inventory that are utilized by AA, NA, and other 12-step programs. As the heart of step four, we recommend three central inventories, a resentment inventory, fear, fear inventory, and sex inventory. You can find charts and diagrams for working step four in this way in the White Bison Medicine Wheel and the 12 Steps Workbook. As you work step four, you will begin to see your problem areas. Problem areas are usually called character defects. As you work step four, no matter which way you work it, no matter how you decide to look at yourself, one list you'll keep is called character defects or out of harmony behavior, weakness and shortcomings list. Some people will also make a list of strengths called in harmony behavior, which is your strengths list. You will discover many things that are wrong about you as you work step four, but you can also keep track of what's right with you provided you don't avoid the hard work of naming your defects of character. As you work this step, understand each self-discovery in a positive way. Be brave. Never beat yourself up by thinking you are unworthy. You are worthy to do this in hard work. Say the prayer to the Great Spirit as much as you need to as you work step four. You can write, God, help me to be honest. Grant me the courage to do this inventory on every page of that inventory. That was a pretty powerful uh, step right there. Step four is really, truly admitting that. You know, all my resentments I have to ex-girlfriends, my ex-wife, to my crack dealer, to, you know, even my tribe. Uh, my resentment of them 
not appreciating what I do. Um, no, that was that was no longer is my resentments now. I turned them over to my sponsor, and they are his. He will be, we will be taking care of those at a later date. So step five is integrity, and my definition of integrity is doing what, doing what's good when no one's looking, um, and keep doing it, you know. And so in step five, we admitted to the Great Spirit to ourselves and to another person the things we thought we were wrong about ourselves. Step five is about disclosing our secrets. Spiritual sickness lies as deep as the secrets we keep. When we reveal these secrets to ourselves, to another human being, and to the Creator, the heaviness is lifted and we begin to see with our heart, just as the ego sees love and everything. In step three, we begin a relationship with the Great Spirit. Now our connection will deepen when we reveal to another person what we uncovered about ourselves in step four. If your own tradition has a name for the Great Spirit that you are comfortable with, then use it. Honoring the Lakota way, we sometimes call this Great Spirit Tunkashila. For example, undertake step five with, I'm going to call him my great, uh, my Gitchi Manadu, and the person who you will pick to stand with you, which is my sponsor. Uh, pick the person to do step five with you carefully. It could be the medicine man person or sobriety mentor or sponsor with whom you are already connected with in step three. Pick a person who understands the journey you are on but will not be hurt or personally affected by what you reveal. You can undertake step five in a sweat lodge while holding an eagle feather. Go into the lodge with Gitchi Manadu and your spiritual guide who is there to witness your heart. Be sure to smudge with sage, cedar, or sweet grass and face the south during this process. Whether you take step five in the lodge or another place, be sure to reveal what you have discovered about yourself to sponsor or trusted person who is sitting next to you or across from you. Think of or refer to your three inventories, resentment, fear, and sex, and and the list from step four as you speak. As you disclose your heart to get you man to do to yourself and another person, the things that strangle your spirit will begin to loosen their grip. Your good hard work from step four now allows you to cast the tyrant within you to the four directions. You are becoming lighter, and by the minute as your backpack of woes is emptied out, you begin to feel good about the wholeness you suddenly feel as you reveal your heart. You are becoming a man or a woman of integrity. You begin to hear a fifth-step prayer faintly in the wind. O oh, great spirit, take my secrets on the four winds and purify them with purify them that I may use them in a good way. When your fifth step is complete, go by yourself for a little while and sit quietly. Think about what you have done. Think about what you man do once again. It's a good day. It's a great day. So those are the, the two steps I just finished up, and now I'm working on step six. Um, and once I finish up those steps, I'll get back to you on another podcast, and we'll do that one. Looking pretty excited to that. Um, I'm also going to read a, a little blurb out of 31 through 33 other uh, Red Road to Wellbriety book. It's about my shame and guilt. I thought it was all my shame and guilt. But a lot of my shame and guilt has been passed down by generation and generation. Um, I didn't really know that. Now I do. Um, so let's go ahead and uh, read pages 31 through 33. And this one's pretty powerful. It's, it's uh, what happened in the boarding schools. And I had two generations of my family go through the boarding schools. Luckily, my mom didn't go through it, but my great grandmother and my grandmother both was in the boarding schools. You know, it's, it was one of those mind changers that they affected, which was, was the songs and um, you know, introducing the black book to them. And, um, So what happened in the boarding schools? Shame and shaming behavior on part of the staff was one of the most hurtful kinds of emotional abuse experienced by Indian people 
and the historic boarding schools. Shame is the feeling that comes from being disgraced, embarrassed, dishonored, or humiliated. Shame was encountered on many levels. We were shamed for being native people. We felt shame from being sexually abused, either directly from the boarding schools or by relatives affected by the boarding schools. We were shamed by being verbally abused and physically abused. As a result, rage and anger unexpressed towards the boarding school staff fell on the children of the boarding school survivors. This darn helicopter. Go ahead and take a second and let that thing pass. We also hold anger and rage from having our families killed, tortured, cheated, and pushed out of their spacious homelands to small tracts of land or none at all. Rage and anger continue to be characteristics of children of the survivors. Lateral violence in our families continue to this day as a result of the original abuse. Lateral violence refers to violence we do to one another in contrast to violent acts against non-native society. Our lives are wonderful today because more individuals are beginning to understand that they have the power to purposely heal the effects we inherited from the boarding schools. This is powerful, guys. Very powerful medicine right here. It is refreshing to understand that our shame is not, isn't all ours. There was good reason for the feelings we carried for the anger and hurt. It wasn't all our fault that our grandparents refused to teach us our language, which I was kind of bitter upon my parents and aunts and uncles because they didn't. They weren't speaking the language. They didn't teach me nothing. When we understand how they were treated, our understanding of what happened to them increases and shame lessens. It also helps to realize that stifled anger never goes away and lingers in the background ready to show up to add to your next angry moment. Once that old anger is expressed in a safe place, release it from storage and it is no longer there to add dangerous emotion to our lives. The road to recovery is difficult. It doesn't happen overnight but it's well, well worth regaining the healthy and loving family and communities that we deserve. To summarize, here are some of the harmful effects of the boarding schools had on our people, which were then passed down through families through the process called intergenerational trauma. That was that darn helicopter again. So these effects set up an emotional dysfunctional environment where escape from pain was overriding the need, the overriding need and alcohol was an affordable self-medication. So here's a list of the things um, that happened. Shame of being native leading to low self-esteem, belief that our people would die out, loss of native language and a loss of spirituality, loss of parenting skills because of not being adequately parented ourselves, angers towards authority figures and all white people. Loss of respect for women, a history of verbal and emotional abuse, history of physical and sexual abuse, feeling of being disconnected from our communities, hatred towards education, feelings of being powerless to affect the very school systems that educate our youth. It is also important to say here that now every Native American in our parents' and grandparents' generation had a completely negative experience in the boarding schools. Story and books are coming out now by some of us whose ancestors were given opportunities through the boarding school experience that went on to enrich their lives. Thanks to many people who were able to save and continue our ceremonies and to preserve our languages and cultures. Somehow we have managed to survive. Of those of those of us who managed to survive the effects of the boarding schools, some of us have found ways to heal and recover. Others are still dealing with the ill effects of the boarding schools. Our cultures are strong and we are very resilient. We are learning the lessons of intergenerational trauma and healing. And we are, enable, are able now to help others on the journey to healing.
Well, now, now we accept that alcohol is a symptom of some of our problems and not a cause. We are becoming free to learn that negative patterns in our thinking process are some of the many reasons behind our alcoholism and drug abuse. When we work on healing the hurt in, the, in our thoughts and feelings, we can begin to eliminate some of the deeper roots of drug and alcohol abuse, domestic violence, and dysfunctional families. We will let go of our need to blame others or find excuses for our drug use. Now that is powerful. You know, and you know, many of us are now coming to understand that alcoholism and other serious chemical dependence are troubles that sometimes come to Indians through the loss of spirituality in our lives, oppression, and historical trauma. The loss of our spirituality is like having a weakened immune system. If our spiritual immune system is weak, the disease of alcoholism can take root. Might it also be that the addiction epidemic in, in, in the wider society has come about because of the loss of spirituality in the everyday life of the world? As Indian people, we know that this is true. We know that modern society has lost track of the Creator and has forgotten its Maker. So that's pretty powerful stuff right there. Um, you know, that's uh, you know, it's pretty pretty remarkable to understand that intergenerational trauma and to understand that it's not it wasn't me. You know, that shame was passed down to me from my parents and my great great parents and to my grandma and then to my aunt and uncles and my mother. You know, and they couldn't help it. They, didn't, they weren't showing the way to properly love, and of course that's the only way they knew how to show it was how I learned, you know, and that, that wasn't much. Um, so that's because of the shame and guilt that was passed down from the boarding schools. Uh, it's pretty tragic, and uh, well, that stops right now, and I'm going to work on showing my son what it means to be a great a man, what, what the values of a great man are, and what the, great, what the values of a great Native American man is. Um, you know the other the other mind changer is that card. You know, they say if you're not you're not native unless you have that card. What kind? Of, what is that? That really affects people because that's a loss of identity, and um, it's pretty crazy. Um, so we're going to go ahead and read another blurb out of the back of this book, out of the appendix, uh, appendix seven. Um, this is the seven philosophies for Native Americans. This is the sixth philosophy, which is titled the Creator. So relationship with the Creator is the sixth principle that is the focus of Indian life. As Indian people, our tribes or nations have hundreds of different words in our own languages signifying what we mean, what we say, and, when, and how we say it to our Creator. I realize we make no gains without the Great Spirit being in our lives. Neither I nor anything we do will work without the Creator. Being Indian and being spiritual has the same meaning. Spirituality is our gift from the Great One. This day I vow to, to walk the Red Road. As an Indian man, woman, or youth, I will return to the traditional and spiritual values I have guided my ancestors for the past generations. I will look with new eyes on the powers of our ceremonies in religious ways, for they are important to the very survival of our people. We have survived and are going to grow, to grow and flourish spiritually. We will fulfill our teachings and the purpose that the Creator has given us with dignity. Each day I will pray and ask for guidance. I will commit to walk the red road, or wherever the spiritual way is called in my own culture. If I am Christian, I will be a good one. If I am traditional, I will walk this with this road with dedication. So that's a very powerful one. And each of us, we can do these things, then others will follow. From this day forward, I will reserve time and energy for spirituality, seeking to know the Creator's will. Man, that's powerful too. Um, I'm really hoping you guys enjoy these readings. Uh, I know I, I take I, I get a lot of knowledge from these. Especially in the times we're living right now with all these protests and all these angry people out here. You know, there's a lot of hate in this world. 
time for those good cops to stand up against the bad cops and uh, really show the world that no one's going to stand for this violence. Something that's really uh, powerful with me is all these iron helicopters just choose to fly just over me. So what is that lesson from the creator? To, I guess it's to be patient. <laughs> but you understand that, you know, I can't control some things around me and I just got to accept it and not get angry. You know, and the perfect example is these helicopters, <laughs> you know, and you know, I'm really truly, truly growing. I've had some, some, uh, very powerful things happened this week. I've had, you know, some issues at my sober living house. And people not having the willpower to stay strong, you know, and that's really affecting my sobriety. And I had the courage to not let that stuff bring me down or, you know, if one person's using to make me use, um, you know, to get those bad thoughts. And I did something wrong though. I never called my sponsor when I had those thoughts. So that's what I'm gonna start changing this week is every time I have a thought of using, I'm gonna call my sponsor. Let them know, because there's that there's that one story, and I think it's in the Twelve Traditions. Maybe it's in the big book here, but it talks about how Bill Bill W. on the sales thing in a hotel, and he walks into the the bar to meet some of his um, sales clients, and he's telling himself, "I'm just gonna have a ginger ale tonight." And he thought to himself, "Well, maybe I could just have uh, maybe I could just have three drinks. Three drinks, I'll call it good." He rushed out of that bar and went and called a clergyman. The clergyman was at home, and he went and called another person. Uh, that happened to be the doctor. He talked to the doctor about his urges and cravings, and he ended up not drinking that night. So it's really by calling, calling your sponsor. Uh, not getting mad at your creator for the little things you can't control, like these helicopters. Um, so it's pretty, uh, pretty powerful stuff. Um, I'm also going to read uh, Just for Today, uh, the NA book, which is a, another powerful reading today. Um, I really like this one today. So it's uh, someone who believes in me. Just for today, I will have faith in someone in NA who believes in me and wants to help me in my recovery. That's from the basis text, page 100. Not all of us arrive in NA and automatically stay clean, but if we keep coming back, we find in Narcotics Anonymous the support we need for our recovery. Staying clean is easier when we have someone who believes in us, even when we don't believe in ourselves. Even the most frequent relapser in NA usually has one staunch supporter who is always there no matter what. It's imperative that we find that one person, a group of people who believe in us. When we ask them if we, can, if we will never get clean, they will, pro they will always reply, yes, you can and you will. Just keep coming back. We all need someone who believes in us, especially when we can't believe in ourselves. When we relapse, we undermine our already shuttered self-confidence, sometimes so badly that we begin to feel utterly hopeless. At such times, we need the support of your loyal NA friends. They tell us that this can be our last relapse. They know from experience that if we keep coming to meetings, we'll eventually get clean and stay clean. It's hard for many of us to believe in ourselves, but when someone else, when someone loves us unconditionally, offering support no matter how many times we've relapsed, recovery and NA becomes a little more real for us. So just for today, I'll find someone who believes in me. I will believe in them. That's another powerful reading. 
No, I'm also I'm also heading back home soon. I'm going on a big road trip back to Michigan to see my son. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, it's going to be a good trip back home. Um, he's going to be 17. Um, you know, I'm going to have to hit myself a meeting every day, set myself up for uh, success out there by staying positive, calling my sponsor when I have an urge or uh, inkling to use, hanging out with my best friend, hanging out with my son, seeing my dog. I really look forward to that trip back home, and I know I can do this. I just got to let my creator help me. And um, you know, I just want to, you know, we're going to close out here soon of this podcast, and uh, I want to read this closing prayer on um, 172. It's the honesty prayer. So our prayer for honesty. What a relief. I'm learning to be honest. No more ducking or dodging. No more tall tales. No more pretending to be what I am not. My cards are on the table for all the world to see. I am what I am. I have an unsavory past. I'm sorry, yes, it cannot be changed now. All that is yesterday is done. But now my life is an open book. Come and look at it if you want to. I'm trying to do the best I can. I will fail often, but I won't make excuses. I will face things as they are and not run away. I want to be honest. I try to be honest as I can. That's why I've always prayed for honesty, especially before I speak, because sometimes I don't know what I'm being that I'm being dishonest. This is my honesty prayer. You know, um, you know, I got to be honest. I'm an alcoholic and addict. And I have to say that I'm an addict because I look, I took a lot of, um, you know, drugs. And it wasn't just alcohol. So it really means a lot to me. You know, I can't be shameful of who I am, where I've been, my past. You know, all those hardships, all that pain in the past has brought me to where I am today. And that's, you know, sober, happy, finding myself, living on yeah, Huntington Beach. I would never thought a year ago I'd be sitting here. Um, I had some other ideas where I'd be, but it sure wasn't sitting in California. Oh, man, another amazing podcast, guys. I really appreciate it. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, these are some powerful steps that I'm doing. And, you truly got to be honest with yourself to make it work. Get deep. You know, if, if, you're, if you're thinking of relapse, and call your sponsor. If you uh, if you have relapse, you know you're, you're not addressing the big picture. You know, they always say the drugs and alcohol is just one of the symptoms of the bigger picture. You really got to get deep and see what that big problem is and face it. Don't be scared to. Don't be shameful of it. You know, and really just be honest with yourself. It'll all come together. So I really appreciate this, guys. Again, this is episode seven. Uh, uh, the Red Road Enlightenment, hosted by Sam Andrew. Uh, I'll probably call this uh, Steps 4 and 5. That'll be the title of this episode. So uh, I really appreciate it, guys. And uh, I think I've been working my sixth step. We'll record another podcast or whenever I feel like we should talk again. Uh, I really appreciate it. And you know, this podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Anchor is where I record this from, Spotify, SoundCloud. So again, me and this helicopter that's always flying by, say goodbye. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Miigawitch, Miigawitch, get you man to do.